tonight, he is the king of kings. December 8th, Thursday, December 8th, 2022, 6.33 p.m. Years wrapping up. The winter meetings are going on. So there's mm-hmm. some baseball stuff. We're going to start out talking a little basketball. You are a Sacramento Kings fan, and maybe for the first time as an adult, the Sacramento Kings are good. Yeah, they don't. They don't look terrible, which kind of surprised me. I I thought we were in for another bad season, but if the plan seems to be at least going okay, like there mm-hmm. at least seems a shot like they might avoid the plan entirely if everything keeps going well. Yeah, which that would be crazy. I mean, like yeah, it definitely seems like they'd be competitive and have a lot of talent on their roster, but to avoid the plan entirely would be. Dramatic beating expectations. Yeah, they're good. They're they're the fifth seed right now and legit. They did lose to the Bucks, but it was on the road and so like maybe the best team in basketball, and they were in it for most of the game. Yeah, they they held their own. I mean, I don't think that anyone would expect them to like win a seven game series against the Bucks, but (laughs) right, they're they're doing okay, and you know, I think some of the moves seem like they're working out it especially given like how good Tyrese Halliburton yeah. seems like he's going to be like it's nice that this is not the dumpster fire it's been right yeah like decade plus i mean Tyrese Halliburton is so good that from just a like trade asset standpoint he's a more valuable trade asset than you know a power forward that's not great defensively uh, yeah. Or center, he's a center. Sabonis and Sabon- but Sabonis has been awesome, and the pairing of him and Fox is great. So even if Halliburton becomes a multi-year All Star, which he very well might, um, mm. yeah, the Kings are doing well, and Sabonis looks good. So it's not like they're going to be booing him the way yeah. you know sometimes that happens in sports where the return for a star gets booed. It's true. Yeah. It, you know, even when they didn't do anything wrong, like they didn't <laughs> choose to be part of this trade. But yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So what's your, I guess you're, you're generally feeling good about the team. Yeah. It's a good team. I'm really pleasantly surprised by Mike Brown, who I think, mm-hmm. you know, initially I was like, this is so boring and like, you know, but I, Maybe that's right for Sacramento. I don't know if you're going to get the hot name, but you're going to get a guy who like really like is well versed in the game and knows how mm-hmm. to support the players. And he seems to be putting them in 
spots to succeed. Like, um, you know, some of it's just hot shooting, but like, you know, what he's gotten out of Kevin Herter so far has been very surprising. Like he looks like a real valuable piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I try to like justify that Halliburton trade, I like, I like to think that there was some strategy behind it where I think like, <laughs> um, I, my feeling is the front office is philosophy is they're like, we don't feel like we can get quality big men here nearly as easily as we can get pretty good guard play. And they kind of have scrapped together like a really good guard rotation or I guess guards and wings, you know, Herder's good. Malink Monk looks really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Davion Mitchell is still a very weird player. I don't know. I feel like you'd almost have to like go out of your way to construct a roster that gets the best out of him. Cause he's, tiny tenacious defender who can't shoot like it seems like kind of a limited use player but he he plays really hard and i don't know he's a fun player to watch yeah and, you know, i loved him so much in college yeah um it's certainly not a guy where you're like i hate that this guy's on the team he's just a weird player um and then De'Aaron fox seems to have gotten his shot back a little bit this year which also helps a lot because I think everyone was so concerned about spacing problems with Sabonis and mm-hmm. Aaron Fox. So it really does feel like they kind of feel like they can piece together the guards and wing piece and big men are going to be hard for them. And I think Sabonis is very good for what he is. I think he fits well, um, but it has kind of borne out in that I think their like most played backup big man is Trey Lyles and he's playing like 10 minutes a game. I guess Harrison Barnes is a stretch four, but he doesn't really do post things or protect the rim. So he's a cent for all intents and purposes. He's just a wing. Right. Um, so that's the one place where it's just like, I don't think this team can really go deep in the playoffs or really be a contender until they figure out, how to protect the rim because Sabonis isn't a rim protector. Um, and then everyone else is small mm-hmm. or at the very least not, you know, banging inside. And so that's really the missing piece. I don't know if it's fixable this year, but maybe if they can kind of keep everything together then add that one part, it could, it could be a good team, like, a you know, beyond good team. Yeah, I, th- I mean, they're definitely, the geometry works better um, with just Sabonis as the lone big man. And that works great. That's great for him because he wanted to, yeah. he was stuck on a team in Indiana with two bigs. Um, and trading Halliburton has unlocked Fox. They, it seems like, and I haven't watched too much, but it seems like they probably have good perimeter wing defenders. And Barnes is pretty solid. Murray... It can do it. I, I I haven't really watched enough to see to judge how well Murray's playing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to evaluate him now because it seems like he really came out and was at least offensively kind of having a shooting hot streak. And I think that in general makes players more motivated on defense. Mm-hmm. They're just like super engaged. And so, you know, he's a rookie. He's not always in the right place all the time, but he's definitely like putting in energy and active and 
but uh, since he came back from the injury, I mean, I think the shooting has kind of fallen off a cliff and like, it's not clear how hurt he is or if he's just in a funk or like, I think it's gotten a little bit better over the past like week or so. So maybe he's kind of working his way through whatever happened, but he's a good player. Like, yeah. you know, it's not, we did the draft podcast. It's not the most <laughs> exciting player. Who no. Was but. And what's so interesting, he seemed like the one of the most NBA-ready players in the top of the mm-hmm. draft. And you would have thought if the Kings are come out this season and have a good record and look like a legit playoff team, which is what they definitely wanted, you'd have to think that Murray would be a big part of their rotation, not just a big part of their rotation, but playing like a Rookie of the Year candidate. And he hasn't been that effective yet. Uh, and I yeah. still think he'll be good. But it's it's kind of crazy that they're in a way doing this without Murray. And um, it's just, I guess it's mainly Fox, Sabonis, and like Herder and Monk and Barnes. Yeah. Um, I was listening to, oh, it was, um, what game was I watching? Um, oh, I was watching their Bulls game. And like uh, one of their announcers kind of pointed out and I think it's true that, like, the big strength of this team is sort of the guard and the wing depth. Like, mm-hmm. they have so many guys who could carry you on a night in those spots. And they were like, really, like, the past few years, it's kind of like Deer and Fox needs to score 30 points or have 12 assists, otherwise we're going to lose. Yeah. And it doesn't feel that way anymore. Well, it's so interesting that that's the case, that they have great guard depth, but they had to trade <laughs> to trade Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, I in I don't think they realized how good he was. Yeah, when I think they that's true. Him. But I do I understand the thinking in that like number one, clearly they feel like one of their organizational strengths is scouting the wings and the guards, and they feel like uh the rest of the league they must feel like the rest of the league's behind them or that they're especially adept at bringing in that talent because you know it does feel like they've really cobbled together a really good rotation there. And so they're like, we're dealing from a position of strength. We have confidence that we can find guys to replace Halliburton's production. Let's get rid of him and healed for a big man, which is a weakness on this team. It's, I know he fits the offense really well. It's a weird big man to pick when what you feel like you can do is surround a big man with a bunch of shooters I almost feel like Miles Turner would have made more sense mm-hmm. in terms of just having a little bit of like a bigger guy, a rim protector guy, you know, even like if Fox hadn't been shooting as well and needed more of that space inside, Turner's like a better shooter than Sabonis is. So like, but, you know, I think the situation was different when they dealt Halliburton. It's easy to hindsight it, but that really like watching them, that's just the, the big takeaway is like as cool as like the offense is they just don't have any rim protection at all there's no one there to back you up if someone drives past you did you say that the kings think that they're ahead of the rest of the league in I any think that, like, <laughs> i mean they do have a good I, it, i'm not saying they're right but i think that that's their assessment is hey. that they have some advantage in evaluating these guard guys they did get harder for basically nothing 
Yeah. Which is funny because they lost Bogdanovich to Atlanta for basically nothing. Yeah. Or for Although, I mean, I, that was a Bucks fault. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And tampering and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and Herter, he could handle the ball pretty well. He's, yeah. a, he's a really good player. Yeah. He, it's fun to watch him. They're almost using him right now. Like, it's a type, they're like Steph Curry type of player. They're running him off those same sort of, like, screens along the arc and stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's fun. So what would you say that they they need if they were to make a trade at the deadline? I mean, you kind of alluded to it with um, a rim, rim protection. Yeah. Uh, it's it's so hard. Like, to your point, Savonis doesn't work that well when there's another guy clogging up the paint. Yeah. And, you know, a, maybe they feel like with their perimeter defense, they can kind of cover up how weak their inside defense is. So maybe Miles Turner. Yeah. They'll (laughs) trade Sabonis for Miles Turner. Um, But, you know, obviously those two guys together didn't work. And in theory would think that would be a perfect compliment for Sabonis. So like, how do you fix Sabonis? I'm not sure. Like, yeah, you know, it might it, just yeah, it might just be on the bench. You need a good rim protector uh, for yeah. the minutes he's out, and um, yeah, just mostly rely on like switchable wings to do the rest of it. So a player like Harrison Barnes, and you know, hopefully yeah. Murray could develop into that, and maybe you know, you you could never have too much uh, shooting and perimeter defense. So I don't know, I don't know who's out there, but. Um, Something yeah, like that. I don't that. know who's all that gettable either. I mean, especially like, I don't think they want to give up. It would be a mistake to me to give up more future assets to try to like help this team hold on to the five seed. But right. they've also always had that sort of, you know, this is the year perspective <laughs> for some reason. But this is the year. This time it is the year. Not to do, but to finally make the playoffs. And I mean, Seattle finally made it into the playoffs in uh, in baseball. So this is the year. Yeah, it's true. It's just like a little, a little glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully. What do you think of their city jerseys? They got some of the worst branding. It's Mm -hmm. just so boring. (laughs) And like, you know, between like lions and like even like the color scheme isn't bad you think they could do something creative and cool but they just always choose the boring stuff or like they get a designer who hates the current colors and just wants to do the retro (laughs) red and blue and it's like that's cool but not if all you're doing is just another stripe yeah yeah or just some boring red and blue one and look I, i think the knicks uh city jerseys this year was terrible as well they just like so badly wanted to make a jersey with a black base and like mix in the orange and blue, and they've done it the past three years, and it's all okay. But like it, at least Sacramento's like there's a if you read the blurb of what it is, it's supposed to kind of represent the stadium, the arena that was built ten years ago, yeah. to when they when the NBA decided they're going to keep a team in Sacramento. Um, oh, you know what would have been fun is if they had done like a Supersonics color jersey. 
uh, OKC should do that. Yeah, that would be cool. The Knicks jersey, it's just, it, it literally, even in its blurb, has nothing to do with the city. It's like you you didn't read the assignment correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I went through that a few weeks ago. I came up with some Broadway-themed jerseys. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I really... I wonder what Sacramento could do. Is what what is is there anything the city is really known for that most people don't know? I guess <laughs> the California politics. Yeah, not. Should they make like something that, um, about like gas emissions bills? Yeah, or, something like that. Yeah. Gavin Newsom's face on it. <laughs> it's too bad that. Um, Shaq called it a cow town before they did these because doing like a cow spot jersey could have been so cool. But well, is it a cow town? Not really, but like he's like you know in LA and trying to shit uh, on them. Oh, like, okay. Rivalry. Well, that could be a it's good way like, of owning it. Make some yeah. cow spotted ones. Yeah, I just like want them to try something creative. Like I know, yeah. rightfully so, everyone ripped on them in like the mid 2000s when they did those gold jerseys because they looked like shit but it's mm-hmm. like at least they were doing something weird and different and trying it and it's just like it just feels like they play it so safe and boring every year you know it's such a good opportunity to try something because you could do any color scheme you want yeah and um and i especially hate it with new york because there's so many things to choose from in new york city mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're just—they're scared for some they reason. Are. They really yeah. are. They should uh, hire me as a consultant. <laughs> Actually, let me—I sh- I already did this segment a few weeks ago, but I'll uh, try to find it and show you the jerseys I came up with. Yeah. Um, while you're looking, what did you think of the Golden State jerseys? Very controversial. Because <laughs> it, it, it's the one that's considered pretty bad with the like the tree the flower. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't didn't look too good. It was weird. It was a weird jersey. I but like, you know, I appreciate them trying it. So I don't know. Yeah, at least it's something. I don't know. Um Alright, how do I sh- how do I share my screen here? <laughs> Alright, share screen. Alright. Okay, so here's my uh, my Broadway themed. Each year would be a different one. So this Phantom. That's cool. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, you got um, the mask, and like instead of like the pipe being on the side, let's see. The rose. These these are just assets. Yeah, the rose lining the side. That's very cool. Yeah. And the fonts, the shattered glass. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, like, that would be every year, and everybody gets excited. What player are they going to do this year? Yeah, that would be awesome. Oh, a Beetlejuice one? That could be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I need you as a consultant. Here's my uh, R.J. Barrett Hamilton jersey. Oh, yeah. So, like, the, the parchment effect, but in orange. Yeah, these would be awesome. 
Thanks. And also just like, you know, from a business perspective, why wouldn't they want to do this? They would sell so many of them. I know. You'd sell it even to like theater nerds. Yeah. And they could uh, do some collaboration where the choir of like one of these shows sings some opening or they do they do like Phantom of the Opera music as they're introducing the lineups on nights that they're wearing their jerseys. Oh, that'd be cool. Andrew Lloyd Webber sings the national anthem. Yep, absolutely. And uh, finally, uh, some kinky boots. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, these are really nice. Like, thanks. These are so much better than what they did. I know. God. Um, I mean, I did. I, I did find a, a good like Photoshop template for jerseys, but yeah. Um, do something like this. I want to make one where it's just like a giant sloppy piece of pizza. <laughs> um, yeah, so Sacramento uh, should go with a cow or like Gavin Newsom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could claim anything they want about California, too. Yeah, it's true. They could do like the California state flag honestly is pretty cool. Like put the bear on there. Yeah. Like, that could be cool. Maybe do the, the California state flag, but instead of a bear, it's a lion. Oh, that'd be really cool. Yeah. That would be nice. And that would be cool too. You get a different, you get the red and green color scheme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I it just, it's so conservative. Any, any you particularly like this year? Um, oh, geez. It's been a minute since I looked at them. Yeah. Um, I will say that I was overall, like when I was looking through them, normally there's like a few where I'm like, I want to buy that. Yeah. It didn't really feel that way this go around. I, I wasn't I really agree. excited about any yeah. yeah. I mean, some of them look good. Like the Phoenix one, it's it's a cool turquoise color. Sure. Um, even Detroit's looked good, the green one. Oh, yeah. Um, had to do with some like youth center. I didn't know the story. The the Portland one was weird. Uh, kind of interesting, but it, it's just basically their their black and red one where there, there's the red diagonal stripe, but instead of red, it's turquoise because the airport in Portland <laughs> had oh, a turquoise no. carpet that was famous. I loved Portland. I really liked the. Oregon one they did a couple years ago with oh, like the tree yeah, stump. That was cool. Yeah. yeah, I think they should go back and make, like iterate on that idea. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, the only one I ever bought, I bought a Cream City one. Yeah. But that's it. <laughs> the, the I mean, it wasn't that interesting. Milwaukee's did look good this year. The blue colored one. You said it did look good. It or did. It, it did. Yeah, I I I didn't watch the game live, but I like was watching some of it today, and I was like, these didn't really blow me away when I was like scrolling through the list of them, but like in person, they like look yeah. really nice. Like they, look they definitely cool. pop. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of the teams with bad jerseys, uh, we got the New York Knicks who. I feel like they're the new Sacramento Kings in that they're just like hovering around the play-in tournament mm-hmm. and trying to be there, which is just so disappointing. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd I'd love to be one of the worst teams in the league this year with 
the great draft that's coming up. Yeah, it's the, true. It would be a good tanking year, but yeah. no. The Knicks are intent on not tanking. I don't know. It, it's just, yeah, it's it's an unfortunate place to be. I don't hate their team. Like I even think Julius Randle is playing well this year, at least offensively. He's he's yeah. putting up a really good offensive year, almost as not quite, but almost as good as his year two years ago where he made an all NBA team. Yeah. I was just like looking at his numbers before the show and I was like, hard to be mad at this. I can't be mad at it at all. And he's not doing the annoying Randall stuff where he like ISO balls and like is a ball stopper and kind of does these um, like mid range jumpers. Like, uh, let me share again. Looking at some of his numbers on, uh, Cleaning the glass. So, yeah, this points per shot attempt at 118.4, that's more than it's ever been as a Nick. Uh, and the ones that are higher, um, a lot of them, he was playing more of like a center role where you, you just have yeah. a higher PSA or effective field goal percentage. Um. Yeah, a lot of mostly red in his like percentiles here. His mm-hmm. this is his shot chart. Um, it's a very clean like in the key in the paint or around the three point line. A lot above the break, and his three point percentage it's it's a little low. It's I think like thirty four percent ish now. But he's been shooting really well lately. I, I would guess that in the last two weeks, it's probably a pretty good percentage. So here's last year. It's not quite as clean. There's a lot of outside the paint in his shot chart. Yeah. In his best year, it's all over the place. He just happened to hit at a really high percentage. But I just I love the fact that he's he's more disciplined and he's not a ball stopper anymore. And a lot of that is due to Brunson's presence. Like it's, I think Brunson's someone he's willing to defer to because he's an actual point guard rather than, say, R.J. Barrett, where they're sharing duties. Brunson seems to be working out well, too. He is. He's been great. Um, Probably their best player so far this season. So, again, and I like a lot of the young players. I I would like to trade Randall if we could, just to free up some time for OB to see what he is. Um, I I, I get the feeling Cam Reddish is kind of done with this team or um the team is done with him one way or the other i feel like they're going to trade him before the deadline there's talks of them trading Derek rose which would be fine by me i don't know how how interested other teams are there's also they're trying to trade not trying to trade there's they're listening they're engaging in talks of trading emmanuel quickly Who's been oh, really? Yeah, who's been really good, but maybe they just got to get rid of a logjam a bit, and they're yeah. um, and maybe they'll get an asset in return. Yeah. How old is Obi Toppin now? Because didn't he come into the league pretty old? He did. Uh, let's see, Obi Toppin. He's twenty four. Okay, I actually would have so- thought a little older. Um, I thought so too. I was like, when you brought him up, I'm like, isn't he like 26? <laughs> Apparently not. 
Oh, wow. I ju- I'm just reading now. Obi topping out at least two to three weeks with non-displaced, non-displaced fracture and knee. I know he went out of the game last night with uh, some knee issue. And uh, it's fracture, whatever that is, a non-displaced fracture sounds bad, but oh, at least two to three weeks. Um, I mean, two to three weeks sounds low for what whatever that is. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate that he's 24. He'll be 25 next year, obviously, <laughs> uh, on the last year of his rookie deal. And it looks like I, I can't see Randall being out of the picture by then or yeah. unlikely to be. So they'll have never gotten a chance to play him as like the starting power forward basically for a whole season. Yeah, well, he seems like a prime guy for the Jazz to sweep in and get and turn into something. <laughs> yeah, the second draft guys they seem to be doing well with, like Larry yeah. Markinen and Colin Sexton and all those. Yeah, cast yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so with to- with topping out for two to three weeks, I think they got to put Reddish back in the rotation as yeah. basically the backup four. We'll see if they do that. It's uh. Interesting news. Um, What do you want to happen? Like, given where the roster is, like. It's such a good question. I, like, I I think the best outcome of all the realistically, or of all the attainable outcomes this year would be to land the number one pick overall. (laughs) Okay. So that's yeah, what I want. that would be good. Yeah. I mean, so meaning I think I think the best course of action for them would be to move on, you know, move Rose uh and really try to move Randall, maybe to a team like Phoenix or something. I, I don't know who would want him. Yeah. It seems a little different now that Obi Toppins not going to be there. So it's like, you don't have to worry about, uh, creating space for Toppin anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I would like the team to ultimately build for through the draft because I think that is what you have to do ultimately to build a championship team. And then you add the last piece through a move, like what they were thinking of doing for Mitchell, that kind of has to be the last piece. And that's what Cleveland did. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, Knicks correctly didn't want to pay such a high price because they knew they'd have nothing left over to add something else. So, you know, maybe they need to add somebody through free agency and or another trade, but, or get lucky in the draft. I, when I watch, like, in my heart of hearts, I'm kind of rooting for them to lose because I want them to be in good draft position. But I do realize it's kind of, dumb because even if everything goes right you only have a 14 percent chance of the number one pick right and their team's okay so it's like why not root for them to play well yeah it's true i mean it's such a hard thing because it's like not that it's not true in other sports but there's like so few teams who legitimately could win yeah so you're like i guess we should go to the playoffs but like what's kind of the point it's tough Yeah. Um, 
So I, I think what they should do as an organization is really try to move Randall. I, I don't think that's going to happen. The only real, like, blow it up move is, would be to trade Brunson, but that's not happening. No. Especially with all the connections he has to the team's front office. Do you think, like, they risk alienating this guy who's on, like, one of their longest deals or if they just blow it up the second he gets there? Is that what he came to, like, sort of oversee the turnover? You mean Brunson? Yeah. Um... I don't know. I, I don't know if like if Julius Randle was such a selling point because they'd still have mm-hmm. most of their talent, um, and most yeah. of their talent is, you know, the potential of R.J. Barrett. He's been kind of bad this year. Uh, Grimes is really coming on I, and was injured for most of the beginning of the season. I I love Quentin Grimes, such a yeah. such a good player, um, and quickly has been really good. And then they've gotten good play from centers. So. I think they should be sellers, but I kind of understand that they're not bad. And like, I don't know the fact that they're probably, they probably don't have an easy path to get to the bottom of the standings. So, and nobody really wants a player. I think, I mean, Randall's pretty good, but Power forwards who are just kind of offense-only players are just not valuable anymore in the eyes of a lot of the leagues. So what are you going to do? Yeah, it's true. Um, They're just kind of trapped with him. Like, he turned out to be too good. Yeah, in that that one contract year. Or I guess it wasn't a contract year, but extension-eligible year. Ah. And, and so did, yeah, it was like the worst thing that happened was because they hired Tibbs, and it seems like this this front office's goal was always to stay good and, uh, you know, restore the culture and not be a laughingstock and be a competent organization. And the front office has been good at drafting, I think, and kind of making small deals that show a real understanding of how the cap works. They've done things like, uh, I thought their deal, this, this draft of when they traded their first for three future for protected first was actually good value return, even if it wasn't sexy. Um, they've done deals like let, they did this weird like salary dump thing with Utah a couple years ago where they rented cap space just for like a week basically and got some second round pick for it. Um, they've mm-hmm. moved up and down in the draft like a couple spots here and there to to target a player they really liked. So I, I do like that aspect of the front office. I think they they have a good understanding. They're really smart when it comes to the cap. Um, and like value evaluating talent. I don't like their overall direction in choosing not to build through the draft. Mm. The real problem came when they, they, they were gathering all these future assets in hope of making some big moves. So they gathered all these, they have four protected firsts and they, you know, a star like doing this, waiting for a star to become available. Donovan Mitchell becomes available. 
So they engage in negotiations there. And Donovan Mitchell wanted to come to the Knicks. And I guess what didn't go according to plan was when Danny Ainge just didn't want any of those protected picks. So since he only wanted the unprotected picks and wanted three of them, they correctly deemed that if they made that trade, they'd have nothing left to make the second move because they would have needed to make another move to become a contender. Yeah. So it's, it's really hard to... Yeah, once you make your big trade of like all these future picks, you're kind of done and you're stuck with the roster you have. So it either has to be the last move or they were probably hoping they could have done something where they could have traded those four protected picks and one unprotected pick for a player like Mitchell and then still had enough left over to make another type of move like that. Um, yeah. So that didn't happen, and now they're kind of stuck holding their dicks because they decided to collect future assets but focus on staying good and acquire talent through trade and free agency and not the draft. And now they, it's going to be hard to see how they become a, a championship contender. Yeah, I think that's all fair. I think, you know, sometimes it's just like when the plan doesn't play out exactly how you thought it would, you look stupider than you are basically. Yeah. That's just like, ah, this is just bad luck. We couldn't have anticipated Danny Ainge would be so resistant to yeah. what we thought was reasonable. Yeah. I mean, if, if it was the old, if Danny Ainge didn't become the new GM of Utah and they stuck yeah. with what they had, he pr- they probably could have gotten Donovan Mitchell for a little less than what Ainge was asking, and maybe the plan yeah. would have worked out. I do like the Brunson signing. That's a really good talent that they just got through free agency. There's no, there's really no free agents this coming off season. Um, the the summer after Jalen Brown will be an unrestricted free agent, and he'll definitely be a free agent because he can't because he's signed for less than the max now. So the Celtics can only extend him for a certain number that's less than mm-hmm. the max. So he because he's become a max player, he's right. going to. He's not going to sign an extension. He's going to become a free agent. I guess that's probably the best outcome for the Knicks is that they are able to sign him yeah, or sign someone of that caliber through free agency. Because then if they have Brunson, Jalen Brown, and some, uh, some mix of the good young players like Barrett, Grimes... Um, quickly, whoever that end up ends up staying, then maybe they are one superstar player away, and they'll have the assets to make that trade. Um, what I see as the most likely outcome is they're going to kind of stay in no man's land for a little bit, and mm. the front office will. I, I think Tibbs will be gone after this season. If they stay, if they don't make the playoffs, sure. And then the front office will have not delivered. So maybe a year later they'll be gone, and then a new front office will come in, uh, hopefully a competent one, 
And sure. when a new front office comes in, they'll have the they'll have the room to like do a, a tear down and do a proper rebuild. And uh, so maybe by like 2030, we'll be good. Yeah, that's a very uh, reasonable timeline. <laughs> that's what I'm rooting for. All right. I think that's enough about the Knicks. Let's talk some, go from one B-ball to the other B-ball, and that's baseball, Ooh. where this morning, uh, or maybe it was last night, but I saw it this morning, that the Padres signed Xander Bogarts for 11 years, $280 million. Mm-hmm. Um, That's through his age 41 season, which is a lot, but th- this is kind of the what top top-of-the-line shortstops go for. If we could argue whether he's a top shortstop or a very good shortstop. Sure. Um, um, yeah, how do you feel about it? I like that they're still being aggressive, and I do think he's going to be a good player in the near term, for sure. Um, given what Trey Turner got, who I think is slightly younger and slightly better. The mm-hmm. fact that this contract is so close to that makes it feel like an overpay. But what did Trey Turner get? He got three hundred million for eleven years. Yeah, that is really close. And Trey Turner is yeah. better. Yeah. Um. So I don't love that. I was sort of reading about it today. It seems like short term it's also a defensive downgrade because they're gonna move kim to second base which you know i get there's like status and stuff too but honestly i personally don't have a problem with paying 280 million for the second baseman who can really hit yeah It's, it's just what the guy costs but um i was also reading it i don't think i knew this but machado has an opt out after this year so I think that may be some of the thinking too, is that the payroll is going to be really bloated this year, but I wondering if that's a signal they think Machado is going to opt out maybe mm. partly because he hates Tatis, <laughs> that he's going to be gone after this year. And so it's like, is Bogarts after this season, the third baseman and they're playing Kim back at short. Yeah, that could be. Uh, that's, that's my, pet theory is that Bogarts is the Machado replacement and they just got him a year early. Um, I also do think that it's a real boon for the National League, the added DH, where it's like, if you can live with playing a guy who doesn't have that much pop there, like I think Bogarts' hitting skills are going to age really well. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, when he's an older guy who's just, you know, hitting 280, but Putting out still knows how to do that stuff. If you're okay with that guy at DH, you can keep him out of the field where the skills will probably deteriorate more quickly. So, does so that one of the the rules for next season, of course, is no you have to have two infielders on each side of second base, right? No shift. That's right. Um, does that make rangy middle infielders more important? Or I would think more important. I would think so too. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but I guess that means you can't always put the shortstop in the best position. So set maybe second baseman become 
a little more important defensively. That's true too. I guess they're going to ask more of second base if you can't shift three guys over into right field anymore. So mm-hmm. probably there's going to there's probably some thinking there that it's a more valuable place for Kim to be than it would have been last year. Yeah, it is unfortunate though to put such a great defensive shortstop out of his position. Yeah. But yeah, what you, what you going to do? And then Tatis is going to play the outfield. Yeah, I mean, he's got a great arm. Yeah. I think he's well-suited in that way, but we'll see. And I know he played some of it, I guess, mm-hmm. two seasons ago now. But It's amazing to have basically three shortstops on the team. I guess only two are very highly paid. And there was reporting that the Padres were at least engaging in talks with Trey Turner. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me if he got almost a, the exact same offer that Bogarts did and the Phillies just outbid. And then... Yeah, or they were offering basically the same that the Phillies were, but he want, he preferred going to Philadelphia for whatever reason. Um, also possible. Would you have given uh, 310 for Trey Turner? Yeah, I mean, I... I'm happy Bogarts is on the team, but I like 310 for Turner better than 280 for Bogarts. Interesting. Yeah, Philly's going to be good next year. Yeah, really good. At least the offense. We'll see. That that place is so hard to pitch in. So, With Tatis moving to right, uh, probably to right field, and Soto moving to left, um... Does what 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 does that mean for our boy Jerickson Profar? I I think he's in trouble. I don't know what he's gonna have to play catcher. <laughs> he's 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 got to fulfill his role as the ultimate utility player. He's got to play yeah. catcher. I mean, they don't have top level catchers on the roster. No. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's gonna have to be what it is. Hopefully yeah. catcher, because well, no, I mean, Grish the Dish is going to stay in center. Yeah, I'd love to see him. It felt like his bat was waking up a little bit in the playoffs. It was. After a year of badness. Yeah. And it's like, first of all, doesn't it seem like there's a lot more players than usual who are not using batting gloves? Or that they're, than there used to be, it seems like yeah. that. Um, and his, they kept talking about his... His, the way he holds the bat like a golf golfer holds a golf club, I guess, uh, like yeah. something like like that. The interlocking thing, yeah, yeah, that seems so uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't get it at all. But it's like one of my favorite things about baseball: how quirky mm-hmm. the techniques can be. Where I feel like that's beat out of you in so many games. It's like everyone does it the exact same way. Yeah, like jump shooting in yeah. basketball. It's it's there's only one way to do it. Not everybody's as good and has as great a form, but yeah, there's only one way to do it. Yeah, if you go to a teacher, they're not going to like work with your current form. They're going to mm-hmm. make you do it their way. It was one of the best parts about um, Tim Lincecum when he was in the league. Just his crazy <laughs> like <laughs> rent- wrenching yeah, for, delivery. Or Dontrell Willis too. That yeah. was a fun one. Yeah, yeah. D Train. Uh, yeah, how do you feel about the the, Yan- the Yankees deal for Judge? I'm disappointed just because it's boring. It's yeah. like 
the most predictable version of what would happen. It's not completely out of the range of what guys of that caliber are getting. It's the length is about what you'd expect. The everything is, you know, very guessable, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's um, they kind of had no cho- they had to do it. But yeah. they didn't have to go. They were able to stay at nine years, I guess, right? Not yeah. 11 years, whatever. Which is true. I mean, in contrast to Bogarts, I do feel like Judge is going to... He seems primed to age pretty badly. He's already been pretty injury-prone, and giant guys like that who've already been hurt a lot don't tend to age well. Yeah, but, you know, not that that's what I'm hoping for, but just his, they're not a great historical precedent precedent for a guy who is that size and has that history then suddenly becoming super durable and right. the skills not falling off. Yeah. I guess the one thing in his favor is the high, the high average and um, yeah. rather than just being like a, th- true three true outcome guy that's true i guess you could well especially like how many more years is stanton there because maybe they could kind of give him the miggy treatment where Mm -hmm. he's just the dh eventually and he doesn't need to hit for pop anymore yeah i could see that yeah um but yeah i guess that's a hope that he ages like you know an ortiz or manny ramirez you know, and they he could just take steroids like Manny Ramirez, and it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I think the Mets made out pretty well with um, you know, everybody, all Mets fans are gonna hate losing to Grom, but he went for so much money for six years. Yeah, he's already pretty old. Um, and they, you know, signed another old pitcher, but for only two years. Um, yeah. Was, like I mean. Especially when you consider how many games they start or have been over the yeah. past few years, Verlander's as good as Degrom or better. It's true. It, you know, it seems pretty clear that their strategy is that they need the oldest pitchers possible. Right. Degrom's not quite old enough. Yeah, so maybe so, at the end of this deal, like they could resign Degrom. That's true. They'll probably bring him back. Yeah, is Bart- he's not in his forties yet. So. I think Bartolo Colon. Maybe he could do like, you know, be like what Ray Allen used to be of kind of coming midseason to a team or what Mello is trying to do or Odell oh, Beckham be Jr. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All guys who are peaking right now. <laughs> um, do you like the moves that the Angels have made? What they do? They signed Tyler Anderson, right? I think so. Yeah, they did. Um, what What else do they do? I don't I think they made some little moves. I I don't know. I I just I'm thinking about them only because it's just like the usual thing with the Angels. They you know they have now two of the best players in baseball, but for a long mm-hmm. time just Trout and never make the playoffs. I I really want to see those guys in the playoffs. Yeah, isn't Otani like getting relatively close to his deal being? I think he is. This is either his. Is this his last year? Maybe. I think so. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I don't know. It seems so wild to me that like 
I feel like they should be the one overpaying for DeGrom. Like, yeah, it feels like they never actually are just like, fuck it. If this doesn't work, so be it. But like, you can't say that we didn't really go for it. It always feels like it's like the Cindergard thing was kind of interesting, but it was also like a one year deal at like mm-hmm. for pitchers, at least a mid tier salary. Like, um, God, they like, really paid out for that one guy from Texas in like 2012 or whenever it was. And I know that didn't work, but since then it just feels like it's always just like, Oh, let's see if Jose Quintana has anything mm-hmm. left. And it's just like, you know what your problem is. Your pitching sucks. Like you gotta, yeah. you've got to overpay to Grom. That's just the answer. That would have been, <laughs> or have all your hitters pitch. Yeah. Yeah. I think if, um, if they if the angels suck at around in this around July and June, the commissioner <laughs> Manfort, what is this? Manfred, not Manfred. man, not Paul Manafort. <laughs> yeah, Paul Manafort should then force the angels to uh, they ha- they should like be forced to, to trade Otani to a playoff team. Yeah. Just yeah, like that would there'd be, so... be must see TV if he had a start in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the bidding for that would be so crazy. Yeah, like, whatever package they get back, which might just happen anyway. Um, well, I think if they're not good come trade deadline, they'll have no choice but to kind of blow it up. Yeah, and I mean, you might the see worst them... case. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say you might even see them trade Trout. Yeah. I, I feel like the worst case scenario is what feels like normally happens to them, which is at the trade deadline, they're like one game over 500. And they're like, we can't <laughs> blow it up now. We're still in it. And it's just like. And then they'll wind up being like a distant third in the AL West. Yeah. Well. Oh, well. Well, uh, Padres should be pretty good. And it'll be really interesting to see how Tatis plays once he comes back from his suspension yeah i'm excited and it does you know i know we kind of said it last year this year even more so like you know if manny is going to opt out i think a lot of the pitchers contracts are up after this year so Mm -hmm. this might really be the the last stance of these padres it might that's a good point and because because they've traded all their or most of their uh their farms So it's the last dance in San Diego. They should make a special um, during the next pandemic where it's oh, an yeah. eight-part series of the, the Padres season in 2023. Yeah, if they start working on, on, like, a new COVID now, I bet in about 20 years it'll be ready. Right. Release the new disease, and then they'll have the perfect audience for their documentary. Because <laughs> everybody's like, will have grown up with like this, these these Padres, the way that our generation grew up with the Bulls. Yeah, exactly. Yep. It's like, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> the Padres are that this whatever team now. But back when I was a kid, <laughs> there'll be this scene on a bus where Manny Machado is just yelling at AJ Preller. <laughs> Yeah, and then famously, like, Tatis got suspended because he ate bad pizza. <laughs> and uh, and also, um, I could definitely see Xander Bogarts 
maybe like ha- doing a night in uh, AEW and then flying back for a playoff game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's all falling into place. All right. Any, um, anything you'd like to plug or any last thoughts? Um, that's a good question. Well, I have, um, for people in New York, I have a show at Caveat Theater next month, January 10th, uh, where we're going to be, uh, performing young Sheldon fan fiction. (laughs) So if you're free on January 10th, come see the young Sheldon fan club show at Caveat Theater. (laughs) Do you hear that? You hear that young Sheldon verse? Uh, if you're a young Sheldon fan and most of my listeners are, it's a big overlap. Yeah. <laughs> you know where to go. Um, and if, if you want to follow more, um, young Sheldon content, you could follow me at Larry, the athlete on all social media, and you could subscribe to Larry, no sports, wherever you get your podcasts, may all your dreams be hoop dreams and may the rest of your days be days of thunder. Thank you.